come on over here and start affecting change. We're a pretty young country. We're only 72 years old. The, the, the culture of this place is not set in stone. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the United States at age 72, they haven't even reached the Civil War yet. Wow. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Yala Aliyah Podcast. Yay. <laughs> we have a name. We have a name. Coming to you recorded from the center of Israel, Givach <laughs> <laughs> I you mean, like yeah, I do. That's hysterical. I mean, I don't even know if it's just the center. I think it's also the heart and soul of Israel. Givach it is Shmuel. in the most happening city. If, it, if they could make it the capital, they would. They should. We are your hosts, Yosef Rappaport. And I'm Jordana Brown. And, oh, this is such a cute fun fact. Apparently tomorrow is International Beer Day. Yes. Thank God we have our Gems beer here. Yes. And non-sponsored, but if they want to, we are available for sponsorships. We would take that sponsorship in a second. Wow. Did I tell you about the time I met Gem? Um, And the Rockers? (laughs) No. Do you get that? No. Oh my God. (laughs) If she doesn't know who Gem and the Rockers is, she's too young for you, bro. No, it was a cartoon for girls in the 80s. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> so um, I met him. Cool. I met Jem. Cool. I was sitting in Jem's and he came over to me. Mm-hmm. He's a really interesting guy. I think we should have him on the podcast one time. Okay. If he brings the beers, I'll bring the banter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we are going to introduce our guest. His name is Yoni Berg. He lives in Efrat in Gush Etzion. And um, you're going to love him. Yo, Natan Berg, are you there? I, I certainly am. Oh my goodness, is this exciting or what? This is super exciting. I know. I Hi, mean... Yoni. Oh, Yosef's Hi, here Yosef. too. Good to meet you. Is it, <laughs> is it Yonatan or Yoni? Uh, officially, it's Yonatan, but I, I've been going by Yoni since I'm born. Can you tell um, all of our millions of listeners why your parents named you Yonatan? I'd be happy to. Um, I was born a little less than a year after um, the great hero Yoni Netanyahu unfortunately was killed in the Entebbe operation. So wow. um, they, my parents were, uh, like, like many Jews in the United States and around the world, were really impressed by, uh, by that story, by what had happened. And uh, they decided to name me after him. Uh, that's where the Yonatan comes from. As a matter of fact, I'm looking at right now, uh, my father had framed a letter a copy of a letter, that, a letter that he had sent to the Netanyahu's, um, wow. uh, Yoni's parents, letting them know that that they named me after after their son, and it's side by side with another framed uh, letter from the Netanyahu's to my parents, thanking them for it. So cool! I never even knew that, and you and I know each other for a very long time. Yeah, that's long, true. long time. Yeah, and that's when they knew you were going to be a. Uh... Of Zionists for the ages. <laughs> <laughs> they they literally implanted it in my in my DNA in my in my personality DNA. I'm a tour guide. <laughs> and it and they knew that right. I don't know how they they would know you'd be tour guide, but but thank God you are. <laughs> <laughs> so Yon, what we like to do is we like to find out a little bit about your Aliyah story, like how you ended sure. up coming here, and then a little bit about what's going on with you now. So can you tell us how you ended up here in Israel? Happy to. Um, well, 
the truth of the matter is there's there's actually there's two different um there's two different stories that run parallel to each other that both got me here one is 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 more positive than the other um but uh but basically i i i was raised in a pretty zionist environment um i was i i was I was sent to Yeshiva of Flatbush, which is known to be a pretty Zionist school. Um, and they right. teach Hebrew there, which is so fun for you. Hebrew, Hebrew. Oh. Listen, I hated it at the time, but now, you know, once I moved to Israel, that was such a blessing because yeah. I show, I remember showing up, I showed up at Ulpan and, and I had to take a test to see what level Ulpan they would have to put me in. And you leveled after it. I was done with, I, after I was done with the test, the lady's like, you don't need to be here. Um, uh, she's like your, yeah, she's like your conversational. <laughs> your con- <laughs> she did not she say that. Me, she said, your conversational a- Hebrew is a little bit rusty, but like that you'll pick up just from listening to how people speak. Um, so just just go. Wow. Yeah, that was similar to my situation, except that I <laughs> did not do that well at all, and then I, and then I also didn't improve. So that's how we did. <laughs> Um, well, the truth but, is, I got. Yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't get most of my Hebrew from listening to other people speak. I got. A, I got a lot of it from TV. Um, I would read the subtitles on on TV shows while I was watching it. Um, that's fascinating. So, the Israelis. I find the Israelis always say that. They that's how they learn English. That's how they learn English. Yeah. But I don't often hear Anglo's no. say that they learned Hebrew that way. Fascinating. So it, it it was it was okay, except for that one time that I read a word. I think I was watching The Sopranos. I'm not sure, but I read a word in one of the subtitles that I didn't know what it was, and I asked my cousins, my, my whole family, I asked them what it was at the Shabbos table, and apparently it's not really a word that you want to say at the Shabbos table. <laughs> oh man, spicy. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that was fun. So you um, had fire yeah. like, from like the normal perspective of being a Zionist and coming from a Zionist family. Well, see, the thing is, I didn't know that it was a Zionist upbringing. I just thought that, you know, growing up, I just thought that's that that was a normal Jewish um, upbringing that everyone, you know, marches in the Israeli Day Parade and everybody talks about Israel on the regular and everybody. But they don't want to move there. Um. Well, well, what I found out was that not everybody does that. Not everybody goes to the parade and not everybody talks about Israel all the time. And certainly people don't want to move there. Um, not as not out of like, you know, any animosity towards Israel necessarily, but this, there's no interest. But I had I, there was always Israel, you know, on my mind just because of the, you know, a fish doesn't think about water because it's just surrounded by it. So I didn't think about Zionism because I was growing up in it. Yeah. Um, I only I only realized later on that I had a relatively Zionist upbringing. I think that I that's meeting... that we're going to use when we promote this because that is so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Not living in Israel is like a fish out Right. Of How are you breathing, America? <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I, I wanted to move. Was the but... idea of living in Israel impressed upon I'm sorry? You? Was the idea of living in Israel impressed upon you? No. So that's the thing. Not at all. It, it really wasn't. The, the, the idea of Israel being important definitely was. But living in Israel was not, was not um, hyped up even in the slightest bit. Um, that, came, that came mostly when I, was, uh, when I was in Israel for the year. I went to Yeshiva HaKotel, um, which 
to be fair, would be more accurately described as Nitivarie because it was Ravina's yeah. program. Yeah. Um, but uh, I remember I was I was uh, I was sitting outside the computer room because if you wanted to send an email, you had to go to one of the five computers that they had. I'm I mean, so let's think myself. about it. Ten years before that, you know, you had to get in some, you know, a, a phone card and stand outside <laughs> yes. in the rain. Yes, exactly. I mean, I had I did that also. I had I had phone cards, but yeah. my God, we had we had we had lines for the email room. Um, yes. So I remember. I, I was waiting online for the email room and I was reading a book um, called To Dwell in the Palace. And it's a nice book. It's a collection of essays on Zionism. Um, and I, I read a whole bunch of that stuff, but I never really internalized it or anything like that. And it wasn't the book itself that changed it. It was a, it was a fellow student there by the name of Aaron Wexler. He was a year ahead of me. Um, he's now I'm Rabbi sorry. Aaron Wexler. Hello, Aaron. He's an amazing person. What? I'm sure he's listening. So we're just going to say hello. Of course. Hey, Aaron. <laughs> Shout out. Um, so yeah, so Rabbi Aaron Wexler, before he was Rabbi Aaron Wexler, and he was just playing Aaron Wexler, um, he was he saw me reading the book and he's like, "Oh, so you think you're you thinking of making Aliyah?" And I was like, "No, I don't. I don't think so. Uh, I just wanted to read the book." And he's like, "Well, why not? Why don't you want to make Aliyah?" And I said, "I don't know, because I live in New York. I was born in New York, and I'll never forget what he said to me." He goes, "Yeah, but that's not your fault." Oh, <laughs> and I was like, I was like, what do you mean, not my fault? And he's like, he's like, listen, you you shouldn't have been born there. It's I'm not blaming you. I'm not blaming your parents. It's just a an accident of history that you were born in New York instead of in your homeland. Where was this guy born? He was also from the oh, States. accidentally born in New York. Okay. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I but 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 he got me thinking about that. He got me thinking about this idea that. That, that he's right, that as Jews, our default setting should be that we're here in Israel. And yeah. it just it's just, you know, as he put it, an accident of history that, that made all of these millions of Jews be born outside of Israel. Yeah. And you could, you could either perpetuate that accident or you can fix it. Right. Huh. And huh. really, I like that this. just... No, I like this. No, I like this, Moser. Yosef is like, you know, a little, you know, a little nervous about this, uh, you know... It's this, not this spiciness, it's, but it's I, not the, I, I think this is what people need to hear because at the end of the day, I don't think that anyone, I don't think anyone's doing wrong, anything wrong by living in America, but I don't think that no. they see an agency on every Jew to live here. I, yeah, I would agree with that. Listen, that, that, I, these ideas, all the, every idea speaks to someone. Yeah. So it's, so we're going to, we're going to speak to the Kahanas in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> No, but this was this was the idea that uh, that that just got the ball rolling in my mind, and eventually I just came to the conclusion that uh, yeah, I um, I guess you can call it Zionism or you can call it nationalism or you can call it whatever you want, but I just came to the conclusion that I belong here. Um, so what what happened after you studied here? So it took a long time. I am a a professional level procrastinator. I'm just. If there's, if there's something that I can do to put in the way of, of doing what I have to do, I'll do that other thing. Um, so I went to I, I went to Queens College and Woo! my my God, I took a long time in that in that school. You really did. You took so long that we even overlapped for a semester. Yeah. And I yeah, am, were... and I am decades younger than you. <laughs> there were certain semesters 
there were certain semesters where I was classified as a part-time student because I was just I was taking a few <laughs> classes. Um, and you have a degree in what from Queens College? Oh, English literature. How how you? Ah, is that? classic, classic. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So I um, I went to Queens College and I was just dragging my feet. But the whole time I was, I had Aliyah on the brain and I was letting everybody know yeah. that, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be moving to Israel. And I remember people would be setting me up with, uh, with girls and they'd be like, oh, you should date this girl. She really loves Israel, whatever. And I would, I would go out on dates uh, here and there. But after a while, I started saying, why am I dating this girl here? What if, what if I get married and then I'm just going to get stuck here? Yeah. Um, and it, it actually started to freak me out and I stopped. I stopped dating girls in America and people are like, why? She's so good. She's such a wonderful person. And I'm like, yeah, but I want to move to Israel. And they're like, so does she. She also wants to move. And I'm like, yeah, well, if she does, then she'd be there. So I'll meet her there. Right. But she could have said, right. She could have said yeah. the same thing about right. you. And, but then, that, they, and then they would have met each other. No, for we sure. all said that and we all ended up here. So, you know, we, we did put right. it anywhere. Yeah. So, so I definitely, I definitely had, had Aliyah on the brain. Um, unfortunately, um, a, a lot of people have have somewhat similar stories, but unfortunately, my story takes a, a little bit of a tragic turn that ended up um, lighting a fire under my tuchus. Um, my mother, my mother moved here um, in in August of two thousand. Mm-hmm. Uh, she also, um, obviously, she was also a Zionist. That's where I got it from, primarily uh, from my mother, and uh, she and uh, and my stepfather. And my uh, and my younger sister, they they made Aliyah in August of two thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, that was right before the outbreak of the Second Intifada. The Second Intifada started in September of two thousand. Yep. Um, I even I even remember joking about it with my mother, because when when I was in in my year in yeshiva, um, she had come to visit me one weekend, and it just so happened to be that that weekend was the weekend that Yitzhak Rabin was assassinated. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, geez, mom, every time you go to Israel, something goes wrong. Like yeah, you start an international incident every time you travel there. Um, and she was here for nine months. She, she came to live in Efrat. And unfortunately, on uh, Isruchag Shavuot, which is actually the second day of Shavuot in the States, um, she was driving to Yerushalayim and a car with, uh, with a couple of terrorists inside passed by her car. And they uh, they fired a bunch of bullets into the car, killing my mother and killing one of uh, one of the passengers in her car that she was giving a ride to to Yerushalayim. Wow. Um, I did not realize was, she only lived here for a few months. That is wild. Nine months. That was all it was. Yeah. Um, it's it, it's it's weird because a lot of people like they they think that she lived here for so much longer. I did. She was so active. Yeah. She was so active in her life here. Yeah. Um, I remember back in the States, back in the States, she would go to a shear on Shabbos afternoon and she would go to a shear on, I think, Mondays. But that was it. And so I figured when she moved to Israel, she would do the same and she would go to a couple of shearim because she liked learning. Yeah. Um, turns out she joined she joined this thing here in Ephra called the Women's Beit Midrash. She was going to shearim and chavrutot literally every single day. Wow. Um, it was, I didn't, I didn't realize it until, until Shiva and I was start, and I was going through her notebooks and she was just, she was blowing my mind with how much she was learning. It was incredible. Yeah. yeah. Wow. 
Um, so unfortunately, really utilized her time. It, 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 what's that? She really utilized her time here. For sure, absolutely. Um, so unfortunately, that was that was a, a, a an unwelcome kick in the pants um, to make me realize how long I was taking in college. <laughs> so I just the following semester, I just uh, I saw how many credits I needed to finish up, and I finished up. Um, the following semester, and I uh, I got on the the first available plane uh, to come over here. Um, I kind of realized, like, the, one of the reasons that my mother um, made Aliyah was because she had seen the uh, the horrors of what happened after the Oslo agreements. Wow! Um, all the terrorist attacks that were going on post Oslo. I remember her. I remember her sitting on her bed, watching the news and crying her eyes out over what was happening in Israel. And that was one of the things that, that, um, that moved her to move. She said, I can't just sit here anymore. I can't yeah. sit in the States and, and watch from half a world away. I have to go there and, and make a difference. Even if my difference is just being there, yeah. then so be it. Then I have to go do that. I, I think if um, so after she was killed, I, I realized I couldn't do any less. I, yeah. I couldn't I couldn't not follow in that example. So I, I moved here. I would say... Um... Gush Katsif was the first time that I was like really galvanized by something that was happening uh -huh. in Israel. And I just felt like, um, like so useless being in the United States. You know, what would I really yeah. be doing here? You know, like, well, you know, I wouldn't, I would have been like waving my orange, you know, uh, my orange bandana, bandana. but like, but I would have been here. You know? Right. Yeah. I would have been holding someone's hand as part of yeah. the game. You know, but I definitely get that. Um, and then you moved here and I, I, I like to, you know, I credit a, a bunch of things for helping me make Aliyah, but I do definitely, definitely credit you uh, in a large part for making Aliyah. Um, aside from, you know, having you as a close friend and having a close friend in Israel, you definitely uh, allowed me to you know, let my Zionism flourish, let my Zionism freak flag fly. <laughs> and, um, and you took me on a bajillion tours. And that was even before you were a tour guide. And I remember that you said that when I make Aliyah, can everybody, you can tell this, you can make this declaration to all of our millions of listeners now, but what do you do for someone who makes Aliyah? Anyone who makes Aliyah and you come to me and ask for it, I will buy you a shawarma. Your shawarma is on me. And that's so cool. That's really you better have lots of shawarma money together because we're expecting it. <laughs> well, you know, I'll have to make it clear that it's, you know, one per Absolutely. customer. Absolutely. You know, with this podcast. Maybe even one per family. With this podcast, I don't know how many. There's going to be a rush <laughs> after this podcast well, also of people making Aliyah. Is it, is it in a pita or uh, a lafa, baguette, you know? That's up to them. Wow. It's, it's really, it's, it's your choice. You can even get it. That in is a real off. wealth right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, that's how far I'll go for my country. That is so, so nationalistic. Um, I wanted to ask you was about <laughs> being a tour guide because in, in the best of times, tour guiding is such a cool thing to do in this country. And it's such a, it's actually like a, a rather like living in New York, nobody I know is a tour guide in New York. Um, but now, obviously, right. COVID, it's right. even crazier. So how did you become a tour guide? 
So I became a tour guide. Originally, my plan was to be a teacher. I, um, I, even back in high school in the States, I wanted to be a teacher. I love the idea of going into education. Um, and my, my, plan was to, <laughs> my plan was to move to Israel and teach Shakespeare in English. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. <laughs> So it turns out, <laughs> turns out Israelis don't learn Shakespeare in English. <laughs> do Israelis do Israelis learn um, Hebrew? They do. Um, Romeo. I don't know about in high school. <laughs> Romeo, Romeo, Epata. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, so I, th- that was that was the original plan, and when I got here, I started. You know, I wanted to get into the field. I wanted to get my foot in the door. So I started teaching as a substitute English teacher um, in Kiryat Arba and in Yerushalayim a little bit. Um, I don't know if you guys remember ever having a substitute teacher for your second language class. No, Um, I I don't. Yeah, I I, I mean, I took French in high school um, instead of Spanish. And there was a couple of times that I had a substitute yeah, I, I didn't want it to, even back in high school, I understood that my brain works in a way that if I need to know something, I'm probably never going to learn it. But if it's something that I don't need, that will stick in my brain. Ah, <laughs> like the movies. Exactly. And I knew that I would never need French, but I might need Spanish. Living in New York, I might right. need Spanish. So I'm not going to learn Spanish. I'd rather learn French. And I, I did well in French because I would never, ever need to use it. Right. That's beautiful. Um, but if I ever had a substitute French teacher, I'm just not going to show up for the class. And if I do show up for the class, I'm not going to really sit and behave because it's a freaking substitute teacher for the French class. Like, who really cares? Turn on a movie and go home. Um, exactly. And that's pretty much how I was treated in the, in the schools where I taught. Um, I, was teaching, I was teaching seventh and eighth grade um, English grammar to kids in Kiryat Arba, they weren't interested, to say the least. Um, they, uh, they were eating me alive. Oh, wow. And they uh, said you should be and I just, I was, a tour guide. What? And they said you should be a tour guide. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, what happened was I was doing a little bit better in my, in my, uh, in my English class in, in Yerushalayim. I was teaching a high school class. And they didn't care about their, their classes, and I didn't care either. There was one point where only um, three kids showed up for class. So I just took them, I put them all in my car, and I took them to a movie. We literally, we went to the movie. It's um, nice of you. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, my friends all saw how miserable I was being a teacher. And one of my friends had just finished the tour guide course, um, Mordechai Zeller. I'm sure he's listening also. Hey, Mordechai. Um- um, <laughs> yeah. we have so many more. Yeah, yeah. Let me know which one. We're <laughs> so, so he saw how how miserable I was being a teacher, and he's like, "Dude, why don't you why don't you go through the tour guide course? Because it's still in the realm of education, but you're not tied down by the Ministry of Education as to you know what you can teach. There's no bagrut to worry about. It's a lot more, I don't know, freeing." And he was so right, and I. I jumped in headfirst into the into tour guiding, and I got to say, after moving to Israel, it's the greatest decision I ever made in my entire life. I, I also have to say that as much as I love you and think you're the greatest tour guide of all time, and we'll tell that to anyone, that took you a long time, did it not? I'm sorry, it took me a long time, what? Also, to get that uh, 
to get your certification? certification? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Cause I'm, cause I'm procrastinating. <laughs> um, it took me, I, I was giving tours um, unofficially. I was working um, as a black market tour guide, I guess. You wow. Call it. Um, um, with, unlicensed uh, for a long I feel time like you could get before I got my act together and, Oh, it's totally illegal. It's well, totally illegal, and I could have gotten into a lot of trouble. Cringing. I'm like, okay, yeah, it is. But he's fine now, you narc. <laughs> <laughs> no, now I'm all good. I got, I got all my papers in order. I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Where are we? Sorry. So, so, what was I going to say? I was, I was in the middle of getting you um, arrested for your. <laughs> Get... <laughs> your nefarious activity. But then I was going to say. But then I said, you got all of your paperwork in order just in time for COVID, right? Yeah, exactly. Perfect timing. So wait, um, what, I got, I, what were you going to say? Yeah. No, no, go ahead. No, I mean, it's unprecedented times for every single person. But and, and, you know, luckily, you know, a lot of people still do have their jobs, but the entire, essentially the entire, um, travel industry, the entire, really most of the um, Simcha industry, a lot of industries in Israel are just really struggling. And, we, you know, it, it's got to be really rough right now. It's, it's rough. It's, it's very rough. Um, my, my business has gone down, I would say, 99.8%. I have, I have like one or two clients uh, that live here in Israel that are still willing to, uh, to go on tours. Um, and even that is a, is a challenge because it, ha it all has to be Corona friendly. Right. Um, so they want to do social distancing. They don't want to take a lot of people with them. So I'm taking like one person groups, three people groups, whatever, really, really small groups. Um, and I'm normally like on an average summer um, from mid June until late August, I'm, I'm just not home. I come home to drop right. off my dirty laundry and pick up my clean laundry because right. there's just an, endless number of groups um whether yeah. it's birthright or whatever it might be that's just it's non-stop um, this summer yeah plenty plenty thank god there's plenty of visitors on a regular basis but this yeah. summer uh i'm home i'm i'm home and uh taking care of the fam which is super fun but right that's a silver lining i guess Absolutely. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm literally, I'm not being sarcastic in the slightest bit. I love it. I'm having a great time with the family. Um, my bank account is loving it a little less. That's all. Hmm. Well, I, I was watching, I, I looked you up. I was watching one of the... I told, I told uh, Yosef your name and he stalked you like any good, you know, teenage girl. <laughs> I'm, I'm interviewing him. I have to... I have to be prepared. I to so go. I was so I, I was watching your video um, about uh, Tubav and I was thinking mm. in general, like, did you did you just start making videos now because of COVID or this is something you've always been doing? I just started a couple of months ago. It's, it's, it is definitely because of COVID. Um, as a matter of fact, because of amazing people like Jordana that I taken uh, that I'd uh, given tours to in the past, um, both both legally and and uh, illegally. Um, I, uh, I had, I had an amazing, I had worked up, <laughs> I had worked up an amazing word of mouth, um, uh, system. Like people just, um, were recommending me, whether it was privately to other families or whether it was businesses recommending me to other businesses, whatever it was. Um, I've been doing this for 
uh, something around 15 years and I never advertised. Um, but uh, because of COVID and because of the situation as it is, I had to start advertising. So this is the first time I've been advertising. Wow. Wow. So wait, what do you, what's, Yosef wanted to know this and I think I know the answer, but what is your favorite place to guide? If you could take anyone on a, on a tour, where would you take them? Uh, okay. So, so the, the quick and easy answer to that is definitely Ear David. Okay. Oh, she, uh, she guessed you know wrong. What? She uh, guessed wrong. Right. And, and by the way, fun fact, you've taken me on a tour of Ear David. I have. I definitely have. I definitely it. have. And you had your coin. Um, yep. Oh. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a couple of coins that I that I break out when I'm uh, when I'm guiding there. Uh, why, Jordana? What did you say? What did you think it was? I thought it was going to be Hebron. Oh, I love Hebron. Hebron's amazing. Right. Um, Hebron, Hebron's this, Hebron's this great little like hidden gem. Because not, <laughs> not all groups go there. Right. Well, but, uh, it's not hidden. It's very out in the open. It's, it's, where people don't go. There. Right. It's not a hidden. It's just it's just it's unvisited. So mm-hmm. so I like I like bringing people there because most people that I bring to Hebron is their first time there. Yeah. Um. So I really enjoy that. But Ir David, I just I, I can't get enough of Ir David. I have, um. What I what I like to refer to as a huge. Uh, non-sexual man crush on on David. <laughs> I love him. I love him so much. He is amazing. Every aspect of him is just so cool. Every every layer that that I that I uh, peel off and learn more about him um, is just is just another reason for me to love him even more. He's just so cool. So when I go to Ir David, I just I get I get I get tingles. I I, I love just walking around thinking like, my God, he was here. Like he was living right here. Yeah. It's just, it's very cool for me. He wrote like, David was W-U-Z here, you know? <laughs> yeah, he did he did. Well, it was, it was Vav Vav Alef Zayn, yeah. <laughs> He's cool like that. <laughs> yeah. So what, do you go everywhere in Israel? Like when you take tours around, do you go north, south? East and east, west? west? Yeah. <laughs> Remember just stay in the yeah, center? literally. <laughs> Literally everywhere I go, I go, I go all over the place. Um, and the, the the thing about me is, and it's it's true with a lot of tour guides, but it, but I find it true about myself, um, just in my life as well as in my as as in my work, is that I love stories. I love stories in in any medium. I love movies. I love TV shows. I love comic books. I love regular books like real literature. That's why I got a degree in literature. Um, I just I love all of those. I, I love stories in any format. And so being a tour guide is just, I have an opportunity to just tell stories. And there are stories literally everywhere in this country. It's, it's incredible. Um, Did you, you say like, the story was right outside your door? Uh, I would say that, actually. That's one of my, it's one of my tags, one of my hashtags, is the stories right outside <laughs> your door. Um, right. But like, you were asking, like, do I go up north? And I'm just thinking now, I, I I, like there's certain certain favorite spots in different parts of the country, and one of them is in the Golan. I love being in the Golan because I I just recently learned a new way to tell the Ellie Cohen story. Mm. Um, you're familiar with the with the Ellie Cohen story? 
Yeah, of course. Yeah, I watch Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm so a huge Sasha Baron Cohen fan. <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen did an unbelievable job. I was so blown he away. Did a great job. Like it was great. after yeah. after like ten minutes, I forgot that he was Sasha Baron Cohen. He was. Yeah. He just like became Ellie Cohen. I thought it was role of all time. I I, I thought it was great. Um, but but the second started, greatest role so, of all time. What is that like? Second. <laughs> greatest prostitute in all of Kazakhstan. <laughs> you got it. You got it. You know what I'm talking about. Of course, Bor. I, I, I love Borat. He's the best. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. So I, I learned. So I learned a new way to tell the Ellie Cohen story. Uh, wow. Now, if anyone watches the movie on Netflix, I'm, I, you know, I'm screwed because I like to tell it with a, um, with with a twist at the end. Because what I do is I tell. I now I tell the story. I got this from a different tour guide. I tell the story of Kamin Amal Taabet. Kamal Amin Taabet. And I tell Which him like, oh yeah, there's this guy. that was his code name in, yeah. in Syria. Mm. And I talk about, I just talk about this, this, you know, this Syrian patriot who, who loved his country and who did this and he did that and he planted eucalyptus trees and blah blah blah. And it's only at the end of the story do I reveal the twist that he's actually Ellie Cohen, Mossad spy. And I, I love the look on people's face when they get that whoa kind of a reaction to it. Yeah. Um, well, now so, if you take me on the tour up north, I'll, <laughs> I'll know your whole plan. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like anyone who watches the the spy on Netflix, that's it. That's so you'll just ask. You'll just you know that. that way. You'll say, "Have you gone? Have you watched it?" And then they're like, "Nope." And you're like, "Okay, perfect. Have I got a story <laughs> for you?" Right. Anyone who has, go wait on the bus. Right. Go wait on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> we'll turn on the air conditioner. It's very hot. Um, <laughs> So we just a little bit about you live in the settlements, TM. I do. I do. I live in the settlements. I think is but obviously, as we all know, is the obstacle to peace. And <laughs> um, and um, so can you tell us a little bit about where you live, why you love it, why you don't, why people should live there, why sure. they shouldn't? For sure. I uh, Again, a lot of it goes back to my mother. A lot of uh, my, my passion for Israel comes as I said, from my mother. Um, and I remember that someone asked her a question of why she wanted to live um, over the green line, why she wanted to live in the settlements. And I remember she was saying how someone, I forget which politician it was, I don't, unfortunately, this actually is something that is sad in my opinion. I don't know if it was an Israeli politician or if it was a Palestinian politician, but they claimed that the, the settlements were an obstacle to peace. And I remember my mother saying that if this is the peace that they're talking about, and she was referring to, as I said, the post-Oslo years, all the terrorist attacks that took place post-Oslo, she said, if that's the peace that they're referring to, then I am happy and proud to be an obstacle to that peace. Yeah. Um, and so, like, so she had that. She definitely had that love for. Uh, the land of Israel, um, obviously also for the state of Israel, but for all the parts of Israel that uh, that are important to the history of the Jewish people. And uh, so she moved here. Really, I mean, it, there definitely was ideology, but there was also convenience. She wanted to live near her brother, my uncle, who uh, who lives here. He's he's lived here since 1995. Um, so she wanted pioneer. to be near family. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was, he was definitely the pioneer in our family, for sure. Yeah. Um, and so when I decided to make Aliyah, it was really just a no-brainer for me also because uh, I'm a single dude. Like, people ask me, oh, you made Aliyah by yourself? 
And I feel bad saying yes, because yes, technically I was on the plane by myself. I did come over with nobody else on the plane with me, but I had an entire family. I had my stepfather, yeah. I had my younger sister, and I had my aunt and uncle, and they're, and they're- Wasn't Adina here by then also? No, Adina came a few years after I did. Oh, okay, so then good for you. And sorry, Adina. But I, but, no, but I, did have, I did have a huge, I had a huge um, support system in yeah. place already. When, when people say, did you make Aliyah by yourself? I think of Jordana Brown. Oh. Jordana Brown made Aliyah by herself. Like, she did. Yeah, you are the brave one. You are the oh. one who, who literally said, I'm going to go and pick up and go go to my homeland, even though, you know, I, I don't have that family system. Yeah. You, you had friends. You had me. You had other friends. But it's not the same as having family. And I I, I, I say this with, with no sarcasm whatsoever. I admire you. Oh, and I will. I want every all of our millions of listeners to know that Yoni and his wife Daniela were at the airport waiting for me to welcome me when I made Aliyah, as I welcomed Yosef. Yeah, um, she came to the airport just for us. Right, but it Yoni, wasn't. You, you paid it forward. But Yoni actually did come just for me, and that was. I mean, I can't. I cannot envision a better welcoming. <laughs> for real. Um. Yeah, so so um, I, I came here really for the same reasons. There was a mix of ideology and convenience because I also wanted to live with my family. Um, but knowing what I know about Efrat now, if I had to choose, I would I would still choose it. Yeah. Um, it is it is a wonderful wonderful place. The people here are are warm and and just the friendliest people. Like. It's just, it's just like, you remember the movie Pleasantville? Yes. So, so Efrat's basically like Pleasantville just before all those crazy kids with their colorful ideas showed up. Yeah. Wow, that's so true. Like, from what I know of it, that actually is a very uh, apt <laughs> description. Except you. you know, people. Yeah. People you bring a little, a little funk to it a little bit. You know? <laughs> People, people walk down the streets here with like stupid grins on their face because they're ridiculously happy and they wave hello to other people with grins on their faces, even though they don't know the other people. It's just a pleasant place. And then they just really say, happy, can we make place. you cookies? Okay, cool. See you later. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. I know. It's crazy. I can't relate because I live in Tel Aviv. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, and, yeah. and we all look at each other <laughs> like we're, you know, we're competing for the, you know, the top spot in the nothing games um, <laughs> but but i i, right. I aspire and if, and if you, to live blink, in a place like that that is aspirational in tel aviv if you blink first you're the friar so 100 <laughs> percent. wear a mask you're a loser you know and i'm the <laughs> what is this mask you're wearing uh there's a pandemic perhaps you haven't heard um, Yoni, we don't want to keep you because we know that you have an exciting evening ahead. But we want we want you to just give your give your elevator pitch to anybody who's listening, who's maybe on the fence about moving, making Aliyah, or maybe possibly interested, or thinking about it, or open to it. Hit it. Um, well, honestly, a lot of it a lot of it is is cliche. You know, the the whole idea of of you know people people say that you know that. Uh, People in Israel are are on the playing field, whereas people in in diaspora, Jews in the diaspora, are in the stands. I don't exactly see it like that. I would I would put it more like 
Jews in Israel are on the front lines of combat and the uh, Jews in the diaspora are the support system in the army. Like we're all fighting the same fight, but, uh, and, and, and we're certainly getting help from, uh, from behind the front lines, but we're the ones that are actually on the front lines and doing it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I can't really give an elevator pitch. There's so much to say. Yeah. Um, can, can, I, can I share a quick statistic? Do I have time to share yes. a quick statistic? Or Please. It's, it's one of my favorites. It's, it's really one of my favorites. In 1948, there was roughly five and a half million Jews in the United States, and there were 600,000 Jews in Israel um, in 1948. About a year or two ago, when Israel was 70, there were about six and a half million Jews in the United States, which was an increase of about 20%, maybe. Um, and in Israel, there was over 6 million Jews, which was an increase of over a thousand percent. Wow. Um, it's mind boggling. Jews have lots the, of babies. The, the idea of staying in the United States, uh, of Jews staying in the United States, it's, I mean, I, listen, I have no ill will to the United States. I love it. I'm a, I'm a true American patriot. I'm actually waiting for my absentee ballot so that I can vote in the upcoming elections. Mm -hmm. But as far as Jewish life is concerned, it's a sinking ship. Yeah. It's the, the ship, the ship is slowly, slowly going down. It's not going to happen in five years. It's not going to happen in 10 years. Right. But the ship is going down. Right. The, 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 pl the, the place where Jewish history is being written is here in Israel. Absolutely. hundred um, percent. It is the, it is the most vibrant, the most active, the most growing Exciting. Jewish community anywhere in the world. Yeah, it's well, it's definitely growing. We we hope to to contribute. You know, I think that people feel like, you know, we're growing on our own and we really are. But it, it we can just really utilize the talents and skills of the diaspora community in this country so much. And I think that people don't really. Understand. Of course. Yeah. Of course, quite frankly, like like this is a minor thing, but, you know, minor things can be pretty important. I always use the example of a pebble in your shoe. A pebble in your shoe is a tiny little thing, but when you're going on a hike, it's the most annoying thing in the world. Right. So a minor thing here, a minor thing here in Israel is the customer service here really could stand to be improved. Right. I'm gonna try to Lightly. speak as nicely as I can. <laughs> For only <the> right. <laughs> so yeah, because I'm sure you have a multi um, multifaceted uh, audience. I'm we're, sure that they're we're on <laughs> <laughs> so customer service is something that needs to be improved upon here and that is like one aspect that americans in particular could bring with them yeah come on over here and start affecting change we're a pretty young country we're only 72 years old the 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 culture of this place is not set in stone yeah i mean if you look at the united states at age 72 they haven't even reached the civil war yet wow um it it's a it's a young country. We we're we're young. Um, we uh, we we have we have plenty of we have plenty of time and plenty of room to grow. So so to all the Jews in the diaspora, come on in. The oh, water's man, fine. Bro. The water's and, fine. And and bring whatever you want with you. Bring whatever whatever pool noodles you have or anything, and it'll just make the pool more fun. Hundred percent. You bring your fireworks, and we'll bring our you know. Pita chips and yeah. we'll have a party. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yoni, thank you so, so much for joining us. This was a little slice of heaven.
Thank you, Yon. Thank you. This was this was so much fun. I, I really love this. Okay, great. So we'll see you next week. No, I'm just kidding. But we will <laughs> we'll probably right. We will probably call on your talents again because uh, we like you. I'll be happy. I'll be happy to join literally anytime you want. Okay. So I'll call you tomorrow night. Oh, Shabbos, Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks again. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Enjoy tonight. Send my love to Daniela. Will do. Bye. Bye.